Have you ever wondered what it's like to witness a murder? Forrest grabbed the knife and then just stabbed Johnny in one motion. Or how it feels to be shot. I was immediately hit by a barrage of bullets. Or how you would react if your spouse hired someone to kill you. And he was to put me in a grave with a bullet wound on my head. These are the stories you'll hear on the podcast called What Was That Like? True stories told by the actual person who went through it. You'll hear from a stalking victim. Came back upstairs and when I came back and turned the corner into my room, I saw him standing there. You'll hear from a man who was kidnapped and tortured. I would do anything, say anything, to simply get away. And you'll hear actual 911 calls. Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Real people in unreal situations. Search for What Was That Like on any podcast app or at whatwasthatlike.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Everybody to Fruit Loops Season 2, Episode 14. Thank you so much for listening. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that we don't hear or know much about. Now, contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are white. There are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers of color and true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because, well, the news is racist, allegedly. And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. I'm Beth. We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, Mm -hmm. the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294. And we may feature it on a future episode. 
Also, mm-hmm. our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod, and our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. Now, if you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App, which you can download to your phone, or you can find online at cash.me slash dollar sign Fruit Loops Pod, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. Or if you can't help monetarily, you can always give us a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And be sure to share our podcast with your friends. Yes, do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so who are we talking about today, Beth? Uh, this is part two of Henry Lewis Wallace, also known as the Taco Bell Strangler and uh, the Charlotte Strangler. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go on back, uh, listen to that, and we will meet you right back here. So, how you doing? I'm doing okay, um, but... I found out, Uh-oh. and I don't know why I didn't figure this out earlier, but I found that that found out that even though my sister did a DNA test and our lineage mm-hmm. is the same, my actual DNA is different. It's so obvious. I mean, we're not we're not identical twins, so obviously our DNA is different. So I might actually have less African DNA, or even no African DNA. Huh? Uh, yeah. So I I do have, but my heart tells me you might have more. I I might just looking just yeah. look at you. <laughs> and I want to do an a do a DNA test on myself to find out. But I'm scared. What if I have no African DNA? <laughs> I, I'm I'm scared. I, I'm telling you, Beth. Uh, here's how we here's how we need to spin this because I looked at you when I first met you and I was like, what is she mixed with? Is maybe her mom, is she like a Mariah Carey where her mom is half black? Uh, Or is she a Barack Obama where her one parent is full black? I don't know, but I know there's something there. I just just know. I've been knowing as a as a black woman out you, here in the streets, knowing. black sees black, <laughs> and I I definitely yeah. I yeah, have darker yeah. coloring than my sister, who's very fair, and she has blue eyes. So and yes. I have brown eyes, and I'm not fair. So you, I'm thinking uh-huh. I probably have as much and uh, maybe more African DNA. But I'm scared. What if I don't I think have any? I, uh, <laughs> my I don't I don't know. My heart tells more, me you have yeah. more because. The darker hair. And uh, another dead giveaway is the nose. Yeah. Your nose is, you don't have a no, a narrow no, European nose. Your nose uh, looks very it ethnic does. to me. Yeah. And um, what else, what else about you did I think? I don't know. Black women walk a different, I think walk a different way and carry themselves a different way. So I think, I think there's a little bit of that too you got. And um, if, if the, the test that you, take in the future turns up zero african ancestry i rest rest in peace in this be be find joy in this in the fact that there are people who are white and there are people who just happen to be white there are white people who are just white people who know nothing about other people who are different than them and people who are woke as fuck, <laughs> who 
are compassionate mm. and who know things and who care about things who just happen yeah. to be white. Your skin just happens to be white. And that's how True I that. look at yeah. you. Shout out to Amanda yeah. Seals. So uh, I'm, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Hashtag be like Beth. <laughs> just just happen just to, happen just to happen be white. To be white just, okay. Yeah. It just, it just, just, it just happens. Way. It just yeah. happens to be one of those things about you are not a white to me. I don't look at you as a white person. I just look at you as a human being who just happens to yeah. have white skin. Well, so. thank you. There thank you go. You. That, that makes me less scared. As always. <laughs> <laughs> so I, so if you take the test, you don't have to tell I, us the results, I will, I will. but I hope that you will but, be at peace well, shout out if you guys see 23andMe or uh, Ancestry.com if you see a sale on because I can't afford <laughs> I can't afford the full test. So. <laughs> yeah, if you see a group on, they are so expensive. And also, there is an African, an Af specific ancestry test that is just for black people oh, that wow. they market just to black people so we can all we can see what p country we're from but also what tribe we oh, might have that's really descended cool. from which is yeah. really cool but guess how much that oh. guess how much it is two hundred three hundred dollars for for the for one, for one and if you want to get your mom and your dad's lineage oh, it's six hundred so it That's is terrible. kind of prohibitive, yeah. yes. Uh, but maybe as time goes on, it'll it'll go down, just like the just like the the other ones. Yeah, have, yeah. I hope you know so. become yeah. more reasonably priced. Yeah. yeah. So that is that is one thing I'm monitoring. I mean, the the other ones are around a hundred dollars, which you know really isn't that much money, uh -huh. but um, it, it is for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not out here i'm not out here in these streets like dropping a hundred dollars just, just to, bursting out of my pockets yeah. yeah so i know around yeah. christmas they so. they they run sales and i could have gotten it for mm -hmm. cheap around christmas so it was like 50 percent off but i was like oh i don't need to because my sister Ooh. did it and then i found out i'm like god damn it <laughs> Yeah. but oh, man, i also wanted to man. mention but yeah, it's a good yeah. kind um it is but i also wanted to mention that mm -hmm. um my sister found out that one of our cousins who doesn't have a family uh not mm -hmm. married doesn't have a family he has eight kids because uh he was mm -hmm. a sperm donor <laughs> oh so i mean they're out they're on like out, okay. out on those <laughs> dna things <laughs> Oh wow! Isn't that wild? Okay, okay. <laughs> so we okay. have like yeah. eight cousins who wow. are biologically related to us, but you know they're and they're not adopted, but they're you know they his sperm was used. <laughs> Isn't that oh wild! This, this DNA stuff is just crazy. wow. That is that is this DNA stuff is opening. Like there's going to have to be a whole new set of maybe laws and 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 legislation around governing this stuff protecting people and also protecting people in many ways protecting victims of crimes i mean because they found the the uh east right. area rapist by this familial dna through this uh site but but ma maybe there are some people who, who pe donated dna donated sperm to make to make it through college yeah, or but, something you know but, what i mean or 
But the thing is, I think you have to put your DNA up there in order to be found. So I think he must have done the DNA test and put it up there because you can do the DNA test, but it does not have to be public. You have to like opt Put your DNA up there in the public space. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So well, you have to opt in. Oh. Yeah. And, and perhaps it varies varies depending on what thing you're doing. If you're donating your eggs or your sperm or if you if you are being incarcerated. I mean, perhaps it varies how the, the rules, but um I'm not well versed by mm-hmm. any means in, in any of this DNA stuff. But I do love DNA. Uh I just don't know that much about the rules behind giving it up and getting information from it i listened to a podcast they were talking about the east area rapist and how they found him and it was a really long process you can't just uh Mm -hmm. put you can't just take DNA and match it. Uh, oh, it's, it's a long process. I'll see if I can find out what uh, that podcast was and shout it out at some point in the future. It was really interesting. And and people don't when if you do the DNA testing, it doesn't automatically go into the public sphere. They can't automatically get it. You have to opt in. So oh yeah. really? I didn't know that. I thought because nope. on one of the black ass podcasts that I listened to. Um, one of the people was saying that by just participating in the act of them investigating your DNA, you are giving up your rights to the information that they uncover. And so I don't know it, it is, if yeah. that's not true. That's good news. Yeah, you have to opt in for it to be public and the police can't get it unless you opt in for it to be public. Now that could change. That could change, but that's how it is right now. And they found the East Area Rapist because one of his relatives put their DNA up on one of these Ancestry or uh, 23andMe, one of those sites. Um, And yeah, Mm -hmm. opted in. in So it was a relative that they found him through, but it took a long time and it was complicated. So I'm going to look for that podcast because it was really interesting. Yeah, let me know. Um, so now we are going to get into our... Oh, okay, listener letters. There we go. <laughs> Woo! I was just going to read an Instagram <laughs> an Instagram message that we got. She's a beautiful girl. Her name's Gardenia F- Gardenia's for Martha. And she is a listener of the show and uh, she follows us on Instagram she said i'm so excited i have found you i said thanks boo thanks for listening and she said i love having poc representation she said these she shared a picture of um her attending a my favorite murder event in san diego so uh, i think that's cool that like girls girls who listen to the, the big wigs the my favorite murder gals also listen to us which is super fucking dope um and she shared a picture of a bunch of gals that she met there who turned her on to our podcast um so i just thought that that was really cool and i kind of wanted to share that That is super cool with our listeners so um yeah it's not it's not an elaborate message but it it is a very meaningful one so thank you (laughs) gardenias for martha and let me get out my uh hip-hop air horn because girl you deserve all of them (laughs) (laughs) so uh now we are going to take a quick 
ad break and we'll get into the story when we come back oh look we're back (laughs) Uh, so who are we talking about today bev This is part two of Henry Lewis Wallace, also known as the Taco Bell Strangler, an American serial serial killer who killed 11 women in North and South Carolina. All right. Well, last week we got into Wallace's early life, the setting, and his first crime. So let's jump right on back into the timeline. Hit it, Beth. So on... uh, Wrong button. (laughs) Sorry. I meant to do this. Hit it, Beth. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. On June 22nd, just four months after Shauna Hawk's murder, Wallace attacked another one of his Taco Bell co-workers, 24-year-old shift manager Audrey Spain. Audrey, the youngest daughter of six children, moved to Charlotte from Bayboro, South Carolina, just three years prior. Audrey has been described as a friendly person who liked to make others laugh and smile. She fell in with a group of young singles who shot baskets, cooked out, and went to comedy clubs together. Sounds fun. Um, But one of them was Henry Mm -hmm. Wallace. Another was Shauna Hawk. Okay, so Wallace believed that Spain knew the combination to the safe at the fast food restaurant. Wallace's crack cocaine use was escalating, and he was desperate for money. When Spain told him she did not know the combination, Wallace raped her, then choked her to death. He, uh, Her body was found two days later. Before leaving, Wallace took Spain's keys and Visa credit card. He used the Visa card to purchase gas. On August 10th, 1993, Wallace raped and strangled 21-year-old Valencia M. Jumper. Valencia was a senior at Johnson C. Smith University studying political science. She was a good student and she worked two jobs. Wallace knew her. Wow. Yeah. Wallace knew her through his sister, who was Valencia's friend. After he murdered her, Wallace set fire to the apartment to cover up his crime. This is so sick. Yeah. I, I think he covered her in rum mm-hmm. or whatever alcohol she had in her house and then uh lit a match uh he actually lit he turned on the stove and uh put like a pan of beans on the uh burner Mm -hmm. and just left it yes and uh okay some it it, oh and then he lit her on fire so he he did yes he lit her body on fire yeah yes Oh, horrific. Investigators told Valencia Jumper's Jumper's family that she died of smoke inhalation during a fire in her apartment. So they clearly did not do any fucking investigation Mm -hmm. or autopsy to determine how she really fucking died. A few days after her murder, Wallace and his sister went to Valencia's funeral. They went to this girl's funeral. Oh my god. The second funeral he went to of one of his murder victims. Uh, I can't remember the, yeah. the name of it's the okay. first gal that he went to. Yeah. But isn't there something about um, serial killers in general who like to l- 
this is why they like to mess with the media and they sort of like toying with the victims and and like seeing their work and seeing just seeing things unfold after the the terrible things that some some of them do and and obviously he is one who did uh, BTK is another mm-hmm. one who really enjoyed all the attention and interacting with the police and stuff like that. Uh, this guy obviously loved seeing, can't think of the word, reactions, reactions of, of all the people who knew her. And, yeah. yeah, in the midst of hi- him getting away with it. Right. Like, I am seeing all this terrible stuff. It's totally my yep. fault. But- yeah. I getting away he's, with he's it. He's getting so off on the that. You know? are alive. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm pretty sure he was getting off on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh so, man. Yeah. Pretty oh, sick. I just feel bad for her family. Really sick. So, yes. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but well, did we expect true crime to be any different? No. no it's all <laughs> it is sick. some fun. Yeah. Some fun <laughs> <too>. yeah. <laughs> that's what we're here for. We're here for the sick <laughs> stuff. So that's right. That's right. So buckle up, guys. Oh, boy. It gets worse. <laughs> A month later, on September fifteenth, nineteen ninety-three, he went to the apartment of twenty-year-old Michelle Stinson. Michelle was a student at Central Piedmont Community College. She was getting A's and B's in her classes, and she was aiming for a career as a graphic artist. She was struggling a little bit because she was a single mother of two sons, but her graphic arts instructor admired her courage and determination. She was making it. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Stinson was a friend of Wallace's from Taco Bell. He stopped by her apartment around 11 p.m. with the intention of raping and murdering her. They talked for a while, and then Wallace got ready to leave, and they hugged. At that point, Wallace told Stinson that he wanted to have sex with her, and he wanted her to remove her clothes. Stinson told Wallace that she was sick, and he did not believe her. Wallace began to choke Stinson. Stinson then agreed to have sex with Wallace and removed her clothes. Wallace told Stinson that he wanted her to perform oral sex on him, but she stated she didn't know how. Wallace responded, well, you're about to learn. That's awful. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Stinson then performed oral sex on Wallace. After raping Stinson on the kitchen floor, Wallace administered a chokehold until Stinson became unconscious. Wallace then strangled Stinson with a towel he had retrieved from the bathroom. Stinson began to grasp her for air, so Wallace took a knife and stabbed her approximately four times. Wallace used a washcloth to wipe his fingerprints from a glass, the door, the phone, the wall, and the floor. This is what we were talking about before. He was pretty careful about covering yeah, up his tracks his very tracks. careful yeah uh before wallace left the apartment stinson's oldest son awoke and wallace told him to go back to bed wallace left through the back door using a towel to avoid leaving fingerprints and he threw the knife and the washcloth over a fence near the back of stinson's apartment so this scene kind of got me um, because I have little yeah. kids who wake up when things are too loud. And I just can't imagine a three-year-old getting up and seeing your mom on the floor and what, what like verbal gymnastics he had to spit in order to, to get the kid to, to be go like, back to bed. Yeah, yeah, this is totally cool. I'm just going to go back to bed. 
because kids are more are they're they're smarter than we think. Yeah. And uh even even two and three and four year olds would know there is some fuck shit going on here. So I just I, maybe that just goes back to how charming and smart yeah, he was. That's what I was uh, thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and convince them that my mom everything's okay is not yeah. dead on the floor. Everything's okay. And, uh, go back to bed. Oh, yeah. God. All right. Uh, a friend found her dad face down on the kitchen floor. When the friend knocked, Stinson's son, Ernie, oh, what a cute name. He was three, as we mentioned, answered and said, my mommy's asleep on the floor. Both Ernie and one-year-old son, Nishan, had been home when their mother had been murdered. And I gotta, I gotta believe that there had to have been noise and fighting and uh, just so much uh, commotion um i just yeah it's heartbreaking i just feel like this is this is one that shouldn't have shouldn't have happened none of them shouldn't have happened but this is one that particularly particular should not have happened yeah Yeah, it's particularly disturbing yeah Yeah, so all right so that on with that september wallace's only child a little girl named kendra was born there was a break in between his last murder and his next murder some speculate it was because he welcomed a child into the world and was focused on that during this time. And I believe his baby mama was just a, a woman that he was dating. wasn't really serious about. Okay, that can happen sometimes. Yeah, it does happen. Now, so sometimes when a man and a woman... <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know that. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes when a man really likes a woman. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my gosh. The, 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 Those videos, the sex yeah, talk. The sex my talk. son is six, but we have to bring it up. Yeah. So it's so uncomfortable. I'm, so I'm not good at these conversations. I'm not either. I try to bring but... I try to bring it up in little when when my kids were little i would i would just bring it up here and there so it wasn't like okay we never talked about sex before but by the time when you're 16 yeah. we're gonna sit down and have this talk which is really fucking uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. so i tried to yes yes i know just bring it up here and there when oh okay so my my grandson <laughs> When when my kids were my kids were little <laughs> yeah. and my daughter does the same thing when my kids were little we just talk about body parts you know that's his, oh. his penis you know it's like you know yes just, and you actually say the penis. word penis you don't call it a pee pee yeah, no. or a private part that, that's okay. how I always was mm-hmm. too you know the, and uh, but uh-huh. he, he he calls it his peanuts <laughs> <laughs> so cute that's so cute. <laughs> <Peanut>. <laughs> so cute oh my gosh oh my gosh I I, man and and again you were a single mom so shout out to you for being able to like just do all of those things (laughs) with both of your kids as a as a woman and you did it it. and and they're fine and they're okay so they haven't killed uh, anybody yet I think they haven't killed again a lot of this a lot of these problems could be solved if we just had more uncomfortable yeah, conversations uncomfortable conversations and just... that's at the beginning 
<laughs> I, I really do believe it, it comes down to just love, <laughs> just spending time with your kids and loving yeah, them. Yeah. 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 I think that too. I think that's fair. Yep. Okay. On February 4th, 1994, Wallace was arrested for shoplifting, but police had not made a connection between him and the murders yet. And he was released on February 20th. Uh, 1994, Wallace strangled Vanessa Little Mac, 25, in her apartment. Mac's sister, Leslie, had introduced Mac to Wallace in July 1993. Uh, Leslie and Wallace worked together at the Taco Bell. Mac had two daughters, aged seven and four months, at the time of her death. Vanessa Mack was beautiful, smart, and bright-eyed. She was a graduate of North Mecklenburg High School and Gainesville Business College, and she worked at Carolinas Medical Center as a patient escort. Eunice Stratford, Mack's friend and supervisor, said Mack always showed concern towards the patients. Wallace had been in Mack's neighborhood and called her to see if she was at home. When she answered, he hung up the phone. Then uh, he walked over to her apartment and she let him in. He tried to find a way to maneuver Mac into the position he needed in order to administer his famous chokehold, but she refused to give Wallace a hug, so he asked for something to drink. So uh, this is his his move. Uh, he asks for a hug, and when uh, they give him a hug, then he chokes them, which is just horrible. <laughs> So also, also uh, he, he would give them a hug and then, and then um, also after he would rape them, he would, um, they would naturally turn around to put their clothes on because they had right, been raped and uh, he, they don't want to look at him. And then he would choke them that way. Yeah. Right. They don't want to look at you. So then he would choke them then yeah. also. Ugh, awful. So uh, now he starts mm-hmm. getting into a new move. Uh, she won't hug him. Uh, so he asks for something to drink and she turns her back to get him the drink and he uh, pulled out a pillowcase that he'd brought with him and placed it around her neck. Uh, As Mac resisted, Wallace put more pressure on the pillowcase and told her that it was a robbery. Wallace and Mac went into the bedroom and, and I can only imagine that he was like maybe turning it, uh, twisting it Mm -hmm. on her neck. Yeah. And uh, yeah, making it more and more, more tight. Yeah. So they went into the bedroom where Wallace commanded that Matt give him all the money that she had and demanded her ATM card and her PIN number. Mm. After Matt gave Wallace everything, he told her to remove her clothes, which she did, and Wallace raped her. Afterwards, Wallace told Mac to put her clothes back on. When Wallace tightened the pillowcase around Mac's neck until she passed out, Wallace added another garment to keep the pillowcase from loosening. And this is something else that he starts doing is using double ligatures. So he'll use two two yeah. things to, to strangle them with. Wallace then mm. checked on Mac's baby. And he actually stayed in the apartment until the baby went to sleep. Later. Oh, my God. I know, Later, he attempted to use the ATM card uh, that he'd taken from Mac at several banks, and he discovered that the PIN that she'd given him was not correct. She gave him a fake PIN number, 
shout out to her for doing that. Yeah. Hey, hip hop air horn to you, Miss Mac, because that is fucking. That's dope. Yeah. That is dope. Way to go. Um, rest in peace. Uh, or rest in power, mm-hmm. actually. On March 9th, 1994, Wallace went to the Lake Apartments. He had an acquaintance who lived there, Verness Lamar Woods. Wallace thought that Woods would be at work, so he would murder Woods' girlfriend. She was 18. Her name was Brandy June Henderson. Brandy dropped out of high school, but then went back to Harding High to try to get her diploma, and she also studied at Central Piedmont Community College. She was known for being a very sweet person. When he first came to the apartment, Woods was there. So Wallace said he was leaving town and he just wanted to say goodbye. He then visited one of their neighbors, Betty Jean Bocum, who was 24. Bocum and Wallace's girlfriend were co-workers at Bojangles, where Bocum was known as hardworking, dependable, and uh, basically a joy to be around. Sweet. Mm -hmm. They all sound like sweet girls, actually. Wallace yeah, sweet, beautiful mm-hmm. girls. Um, Wallace told Bochum that he needed to use the phone. Bochum let Wallace into her apartment. They talked for a while. As Wallace was getting ready to leave, he placed a chokehold on Bochum, and she fell to the floor. Wallace told her this was a robbery and demanded the alarm code, keys, and a combination to the safe for the Bojangles <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> After she gave him Bojangles, yeah, Bojangles. but in Espanol we say Bojangles. <laughs> Bojangles. <laughs> Bojangles. After she gave him the safe's combination, Wallace uh, released the chokehold. Bokum asked, "Why did you do that to me?" Which is a fair question. <laughs> oh yeah. Wallace <laughs> responded that he was a sick person and that he had hurt many people. True, very true. Uh, yeah. This is really yeah. sad. Bochum then embraced Wallace and said that she forgave him and told him that he needed help. Also true. Black black women coming through every time to try to help help yeah. and save everybody yeah. around us. Oh boy. <sighs> Wallace became enraged and grabbed Bochum by the throat, slammed her to the floor, and then scuffled with her. Wallace got Bochum to her feet and took her into the bedroom where he told her to remove her clothes. Wallace then told Bochum he wanted to perform oral sex or he wanted her to perform oral sex on him. She grabbed his penis and started pulling and scratching. You go girl. Yeah. Yes. So uh, Wallace and Bochum began to scuffle again. Wallace was able to tighten the towel around Bochum's neck until she was nearly unconscious. At this point, Wallace removed his clothes and raped her. Afterwards, Wallace told Bokum to put her clothes back on. He then placed a towel around her neck and asked her if she had any money. Bokum gave Wallace the money in her purse, and he took a gold chain from around her neck. After strangling Bokum to death, Wallace took her television and left in her car. Wallace sold the television for drugs. Then he returned to Bokum's apartment to make sure Bokum was dead and to take her VCR. So, yeah. Thanks. While in Bokum's apartment, Wallace used a wet cloth to wipe off the phone, doorknobs, and the wall on which some of the struggle took place. Again, uh, he is 
pretty intelligent. He's he knows enough to to clean up the crime scene. Wallace used money from Bochum's purse, the gold chain, and the VCR to purchase more drugs. Wallace then left the car in a parking lot because he thought police were following him. Wallace stated that he wiped the interior and most of the exterior of the car, but he forgot to wipe the trunk lid. Gotcha, bitch. Uh, Bochum left behind a three-year-old adopted daughter named Betty John. Uh, They called her BJ, who also shared the same birthday as her adopted mother. Uh, It was March 17th. Betty Betty Jean was a very beautiful, vivacious, sweet, and virtuous young girl. Um, She was affectionately known by family and friends as Susie. So after that, Wallace went back to Woods and Henderson's apartment. This is the same day, same evening. Henderson killed Bochum and then went back to Woods and Henderson's apartment. And at that time, Woods had gone to work and Henderson was alone. Henderson and Wallace talked for a while, and then Wallace asked for something to drink. That's his new move. When Henderson Uh reached into the cabinet, Wallace choked her and told her to go into the bedroom. Henderson begged Wallace to allow her to hold her baby son, Tyrese. But he said, I don't know if that would be a good idea for what we're about to do. Wallace told her that this was also going to be a robbery and demanded money. Henderson gave Wallace about $20 worth of coins and said there was no other money inside the house. Wallace told Henderson he would be taking the television and stereo when he left. Wallace then told Henderson to remove her clothes, which she did. Henderson grabbed her son, laid him across her chest, and turned his head away so that he could not see what was going on. Wallace raped Henderson, and afterwards Wallace told Henderson to put her clothes back on. I just, I don't have any no. words for he, that. He's I like, uh, I, I can't understand how, I mean, he had had a child, which I read he adored this child, but then he can do, oh, interesting. he can do something like this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, th- this is not the first mother with young children that he has um, raped no. and killed No, and been in the same uh vicinity with uh and so it is it is strange that he just doesn't see their kids as having as much value as as his i just yeah it's crazy i don't know i don't know i I don't i don't feel like anything i'll say will be like right or (laughs) eloquent enough it's just yeah it's just fucked up yeah so wallace went into the bedroom got a towel and wiped off everything then wallace folded the towel put it around henderson's neck and strangled her to death Tyrese started crying, so Wallace gave him a pacifier. Then he took another towel from the bathroom and tied it around Tyrese's neck so it would be difficult for him to breathe, and he would stop yeah, crying. Seems... Tyrese stopped crying. <laughs> totally uh, logical. logical. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've I've done that. Myself. I've read that one in all the parenting. <laughs> I've seen it in all the parenting books. I haven't. I have not done that myself, guys. <laughs> I haven't. All the experts say, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so, t- <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, terrible. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, what else What else can we do but just be baffled yeah. by this nonsense? Yeah. Ty- Tyree stopped crying and laid down That's, next to that his That part makes body. me so sad. It makes me so sad. It, it makes me really, really sad, too. 
Wallace then took the television and radio and loaded them into Bochum's car. He sold them for $175, which he used to purchase crack cocaine. He left the car at a shopping center across the street from the apartment complex. Later, Woods found his girlfriend Brandy's body when he came home, and he was able to free their son from the ligature, saving his life. Mm, thank goodness for that guy. Thank yeah. goodness for that guy, but uh, sad for the, those individuals all around. Uh, the police mm. beef, beefed up patrols in East Charlotte after two bodies of young black women were found at the Lake Apartment Complex. Even so, on March 11th, Wallace murdered Deborah Ann Slaughter. Slaughter was 35 and had been a co-worker of his girlfriend at Bojangles at one time, but at the time of her death, it's Bojangles, at the time of her death, he was working at a deli. She was the oldest of four children. Her family remembers her infectious laugh and beautiful singing voice in the church choir. Wallace went to Slaughter's apartment to use drugs with her. He asked Slaughter to get him something to drink, which seems to be his new M.O. And as Slaughter turned around, Wallace put a towel that he had brought with him around Slaughter's neck and tightened it. Slaughter fell to her knees. Slaughter then realized that Wallace was the one who had killed the two other girls in nearby apartments. Wow. Wallace told Slaughter to remove her clothes and perform oral sex on him. Slaughter told him, I don't do that. You might as well go ahead and kill me. Wallace tightened the towel and asked if she wanted to change her mind. Slaughter said that she would not perform oral sex on Wallace. So shout out to you, Ma. Rest in power. Yeah. Wallace then raped her and afterwards told her to put her clothes on. Wallace, knowing Slaughter carried a knife in her purse at all times, asked Slaughter to empty the contents of her purse. When she did, he kicked the knife away and told Slaughter to open the wallet and give him everything in it. I wonder how he knew that she carried a knife. I wouldn't. Um, You shouldn't announce that. Yeah. I mean, obviously... Did you know one out of six couples struggle with infertility, including old Whitey and me? Seriously, that is a staggering statistic that most people don't know or aren't ready to talk about. We need good data and information about our bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and our futures. Good data and information about our bodies is crucial when it comes to our body autonomies, especially in the year of our Lord 2022. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility gets you the same info at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash fruit, you can get $20 off your test. Also, and this is really cool, Mm. if you have an HSA or an FSA, you can put those dollars towards Modern Fertility. Wow, that's amazing. Now, if you want kids today, or in the future, never or are undecided. It's important to have clinically sound information about your body, which can help you make the decision that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That means your test will cost $179 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That's modernfertility.com fruit. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. 
how we care for our minds affects how we experience life, so it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps, but there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. Now, we are huge advocates for mental health here at Fruit oh, yeah. HQ. Oh, yes. And we have both used therapy throughout our lives, including BetterHelp, and especially in these past several years to help us deal with challenging times, mm-hmm. challenging thoughts, feelings and experiences. Amen. Yes. And uh, now I had a recent, you know, conversation with my therapist. She was saying sometimes it's just good to talk and get some perspective. You don't have to go to a therapist just because stuff is wrong. So Right, right. And BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And some people get really anxious about that. So Oh, yes. And it is much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash fruit. That's betterhelp.com slash fruit. He was a charming guy, as we said before. Yeah, he seemed to be able to uh, cozy up to these women and they felt comfortable letting him into their apartment late at night and like he would just drop by and and they felt comfortable. Mm -hmm. So obviously he uh, wormed his way into their lives somehow or another worm weasel son of a bitch uh as slaughter did this wallace grabbed the knife slaughter hit wallace and screamed for the police wallace then tightened the towel around slaughter's neck until she fell to the floor and started kicking wallace tightened the towel more and tried to sit on top of slaughter's legs to keep slaughter from alerting the neighbors downstairs Wallace went to the bathroom to retrieve another towel, which he tied with the first around Slaughter's neck. Again, this is a double ligature that he's getting known for. Wallace Mm -hmm. stabbed Slaughter with the knife approximately 20 times in the abdomen. Wallace then washed the knife clean and wiped his fingerprints from it. Wallace left Slaughter's apartment uh, to purchase crack cocaine, then returned to smoke it. When That's he left awful. the second time, yeah, uh, mm. oh man, when, when he left the second time, Wallace took a coat, a baseball hat, a butcher knife, but he threw all the items away after leaving the apartment. Slaughter left behind an 18-year-old son. Her body was found on March 12th, 1994. I will say that uh, in the documentary, what was it, Bad Henry?, the oh. police officer who uh, who was describing her dead body, Slaughter's mm-hmm. dead body, described bruising by the stab marks or around the stab marks, indicating that she was stabbed really hard oh, by wow. a really strong big guy. So I wow. just wanted to point that out. Yeah. So now we're going to get into the investigation and arrest. So hit it, Beth. Following the Henderson murder on uh, March 9th, 1994, which was discovered prior to the Boca murder, investigators noticed similarities between the Henderson murder and the Mack murder on February 20th. Uh, So they're finally putting this together. Good job, guys. (laughs) Both victims were black females. There was no forced entry in either case. And there was a ligature used in both cases. And uh, I wanted to mention, too, that uh, I don't know if we mentioned it earlier, but strangulation apparently is rare. It's not as common as you would think. So, Oh, interesting. Having, yeah. So having these black women murdered by strangulation, they really should have uh, noticed the similarities between the other victims earlier. 
Right. I think this is four years in. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, nobody's taken note. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, on March 10th, investigators held a meeting to discuss similar cases involving strangulation. Okay, so this is their first roundtable. Um, yep. During this meeting, okay, guys, investigators learned that another victim, Bochum, had been discovered in the same apartment complex as Henderson. The Bochum murder exhibited characteristics similar to both of the Mack and Henderson cases. Investigators asked victims' family members and friends for the names of persons the victims might have allowed into their apartments. I guess because there was no forced entry, they surmised that it was somebody who they knew. Wallace's name was on the list. And looking at a photo that was taken when Wallace tried to withdraw money using Mac's ATM card, they were able to match an earring shown in the image. Uh, his head was down, so they couldn't see his face, but they saw an earring. Um, mm. They matched it to an earring that Wallace was wearing in a mugshot. Oh, well, uh, unfortunately, uh, it was four years and 11 dead bodies too late. Um, mm -hmm. On March 11th, after Bochum's vehicle was recovered, police compared a palm print left from Bochum's vehicle to Wallace's prints and found a match. Investigators then began an extensive search for Wallace based on an outstanding warrant for his arrest on a larceny charge. On March 12th, during the search for Wallace, investigators learned that Slaughter had been discovered in her apartment. The Slaughter case exhibited characteristics similar to the Mack, Henderson, and Bookham cases. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Now we're Wallace getting somewhere. Was, yes, we are. Wallace was arrested the same day on the outstanding order for arrest during questioning after Wallace had been advised of his Miranda rights. Investigators told Wallace of the evidence connecting him to the crimes, including photos of Wallace attempting to use Mac's ATM card at teller machines and the matching palm print from Bochum's car. For the next 12 hours, he confessed to the murders of 10 women in Charlotte. He then confessed to the 11th murder that he committed before moving to Charlotte, the murder of Tashonda Bethea. He described in detail the women's appearances, how he raped, robbed, and killed the women, and his crack habit. Mm, okay, well, <clears throat> Charlotte's police chief congratulated police on Wallace's arrest, reassuring the community uh, that the women of East Charlotte were now safe. However, many in the area's black community criticized the police's conduct during the investigation, accusing them of neglecting murders of black women. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. As Shonda Denise Hawk's mother, Dee Sumter, said, the victims weren't prominent people with socioeconomic status. They weren't special and they were black. The father of one of the victims added they didn't live in a high rent district. They weren't famous or known. They worked in fast food joints and they didn't have blonde hair and blue eyes. I um, can I'm going on a tangent here. There is a book by the famous author, Toni Morrison. She's a famous black female author, and she writes mm -hmm. some of the most vivid graphic books ever. Uh, and one of them is The Bluest Eye. And yeah. it's the story about this. Have, have you read it? 
I haven't read it. I've been meaning to. I know of it. Okay. It was on Oprah's book club list, so that's why I picked it up. And when I say read it, I mean I got it on tape. Uh, but it's about <laughs> it's about a, a young, really dark-skinned black girl who is living in the most horrendous conditions, poverty, um, abuse. And she's in her mind, she's like, if I could, she prays every night, if I could just get blue eyes, all my problems would be solved. It's just, it's, it's just a really sad idea. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte police department faced severe backlash by the community for being slow to realize the victims, lower income black women were being targeted. According to police, they were overwhelmed and understaffed during the grips of the crack epidemic where there was a new murder reported every other day. Uh, I have thoughts on this police statement. I'm sorry. Uh, If they had focused their efforts less on tarnishing Black communities for having a few ounces of rock um, and focused perhaps on... um, uh, bridging gaps between police and poor black and brown communities or um, perhaps education or perhaps employment, the drug epidemic wouldn't, I don't think be such a, such a, wouldn't have been such a problem. The problem was there was nothing available for these lower income, lower opportunity black and brown communities. And so drugs was what they turned to, to get through the day and to earn income. So that's, that's that. Yeah. I agree. So the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department apologized to its residents for not spotting a link among the murders sooner. However, they said the murder cases varied enough to throw them off of Wallace's trail. Each of the murders had been treated separately with a different investigator assigned to each one. Notes were not compared and the cases went for a long time. (laughs) You're not kidding very long time. <laughs> mm. So, um, do you buy that uh, explanation? I, Is it an explanation or an excuse? Um, well, I think part of it is valid. They did have okay. six uh, homicide investigators, but right. I think there was enough similarities for them to put it together a lot earlier than they did yeah and yeah especially when i found out that strangulation is rare and probably a lot of the murders that they were dealing with were like shootings and you know things like that uh, having yeah. to do with drug deals and you that know these were focus. obviously yeah and these were obviously mm-hmm. not that so mm-hmm. Um, But something else that Wallace did that we didn't touch on, but he carefully redressed the bodies and uh, made them look like they were not sexually assaulted. So, yeah, they didn't know. They didn't know that they had been raped. Raped. So, yeah, yeah. he would sometimes he would bathe them. Um, yeah. or make make them shower and um, then again you like you said redress them so you're right there was no indication of a sexual assault so right so um, that was another case where he was showing his intelligence mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes diabolical yeah, um, sneaky. sneaky motherfucker yes yeah, sneak motherfucker now bev i love it when you say motherfucker so i'm giving you a hip-hop air horn 
<laughs> um, until Wallace's murder pace picked up in the early weeks of March 1994, the deaths were sporadic and not entirely similar. Okay. It was not, it was only in the week of March 9th, 1994, that Charlotte police warned the people in East Charlotte that there was a serial killer on the loose. So it was just that last week when there was three Just that murders. last week. Yeah. And I heard yeah. in, in one source that we will obviously link up to the show that 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 week was when they finally assigned a black guy to investigate the case. And he was like, hold up, guys. <laughs> I think I see some similarities. <laughs> he, he was the, okay. the one that picked up on the fact that it was somebody that they all knew. So okay. that was uh, okay. Gary, Gary McFadden. Right. He's my hero. Maybe I'll be Gary for Halloween. Um, <laughs> so now we're going to get into the trial. What do you got for us, Beth? Over the next two years, Wallace's trial was delayed over a choice of venue, DNA evidence from murdered victims, and jury selection. His trial finally began in September of 1996. In the opening arguments, prosecutor Marsha Goodnow argued for the death penalty, while defense attorney Isabel Day asked for a life sentence, arguing that Wallace suffered from mental illness and that the killings were not first-degree murder because they did not result from premeditation and deliberation. Um, now, I heard an interesting statistic today about Black people and mental illness, that hmm. one in, well, I think it was one in three or one in four, something like that, but a, a big number of Black people suffer from mental illness and there's a couple wow. things that make that perpetuate it uh black people think that seeking mental health treatment unnecessary you don't want like nobody wants to be crazy if you go see a shrink then then you're crazy and stigmatized nah. <laughs> yeah. it's very stigmatized you should you the i think the the predominant thought is that you should be able to go to your god go to your church go to your pastor and pray pray the mental illness away which does not work, work. Yeah. <laughs> for everybody. So, um, and I, I feel like I have to say this, black people are not a monolith. A hundred percent black people don't believe this, but I, I've heard it said in my circles um, and I've seen it um, firsthand. So <clears throat> uh, psychologist Faye Sultan testified during the trial that Wallace was a constant victim of physical and mental abuse from his mother since birth and that he suffered from mental illness at the time of the killings. Sultan argued for a life sentence without parole instead of the death penalty. On January 7th, 1997, Wallace was found guilty of nine murders. On January 29th, he was sentenced to nine death sentences. Following his sentencing, Wallace made a statement to his victims' families. He said, none of these women, none of your daughters, mothers, sisters, or family members in any way deserved what they got. They did nothing to me that warranted their death. Um... Wow, he I, I I'm just I'm just blown away that he never tried to deny it or spin it like the devil made me do it or and he was just like sorry. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, 
I and I don't so. understand why he was only found guilty of nine murders. That's a good question. I don't know that either. Uh, and uh, we didn't see anything on any documentaries or police reports or court records that explained why. But I feel really bad for those two women whose families didn't ultimately get justice. So, yeah. Um, so uh, where are they now? Well, I'll tell you. On June 5th, <laughs> 1998, Wallace married a former prison nurse, Rebecca Tor. Torrijas, in a ceremony next to the execution chamber where he has been sentenced to die. Mecklenburg County Public Defender Isabel Day served as an official witness and photographer. Also attending was the manager of the death row unit at the prison. That is so romantic. Oh, yes. Right by the execution uh, chamber. <laughs> my my heart is fluttering and my bosom is heaving. <laughs> My dream wedding. <laughs> I declare. <laughs> Since being sentenced to death in 1997, Wallace has been appealing to the courts to overturn the death sentences, stating that his confessions were coerced and his constitutional rights were violated in the process. But the North Carolina Supreme Court upheld the death sentences in 2000, and the U.S. Supreme Court in 2001 denied his appeal. In 2005, Superior Court Judge Charles Lamb rejected Wallace's latest appeal to overturn his convictions and nine death sentences. Mothers of Murdered Offspring, or MOMO, is still active in Charlotte. Good. MOMO has two principal goals— one, to be the primary resource by which mothers and families of murder victims are supported and directed to appropriate resources, uh, information, and aid in their time of need, as well as being the network by which survivors are brought together in which to support and encourage each other. To develop new—this is the second uh, goal— to develop new and innovative violence prevention and substance abuse awareness strategies through youth programs and education, gun violence prevention, relationship violence prevention, and anti-drug and substance abuse campaigns and education. You can visit their vet website at uh, momocares.org for more information. This is a really good um, mission Program. and yeah. work. And yeah. uh, I'd never heard of it until this story, but... Uh, there should be a chapter in every city. There, sh there should, and and they're doing the things that you were talking about. They're mm -hmm, doing it. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, um, I don't know if I've said this before, but if so, I'll say it again. Listen to black women, everybody. <laughs> we know everything. Know what's up. So <laughs> we know what's up. We know how to solve problems. So just when we tell you all to do something or give a recommendation, just listen to us. Just it will listen. make your life better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so uh, now we're going to get into what we think made uh, the Taco Bell Strangler snap. Um the doc says I'm first. <laughs> so uh, 
The <laughs> the abuse he suffered as a child and certainly his drug use contributed to his behavior. I think the abuse from his mother was a behavior that began with slavery. I've said this before. Slaves were very harshly abused and disciplined, and that has manifested itself throughout the generations. Um, even though we've been freed, emancipated, um, through Jim Crow, through civil rights movement, and even today. And I don't think it, it's until you get to millennials, young black millennials like myself who are parents, I don't I don't spank my kids. I, I know how horrid the switch was, <laughs> and I am not about to incorporate that into my parenting. So the cycle stops with me. But anyway, um, there are reasons why she disciplined him the way that uh, she did. Um, and regardless of what they are, He's the only one of her children who killed anybody. So um, there's yeah. that. And uh, he started out burglarizing and it just escalated. Rape has nothing to do with sex. It's all about power and control. And what could epit epitomize more power than having dominion over someone's physical body through rape and dominion over their breath and life in murder? I don't know anything about power because I've never had one sliver of it, but <laughs> it must have given him such a high that it was impossible for him to walk away from. So he kept doing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about his, his young life, his mother controlled him a little bit. And I wonder if that. Mm -hmm. Did you know one out of six couples struggle with infertility, including old Whitey and me? Seriously, that is a staggering statistic yeah. that most people don't know or aren't ready to talk about. We need good data and information about our bodies in order to have informed conversations with our doctors and make the best decisions for ourselves and our futures. Good data and information about our bodies is crucial when it comes to our body autonomies, especially in the year of our Lord 2022. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing can cost over $1,000, but Modern Fertility gets you the same info at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com fruit, you can get $20 off your test. Also, and this is really cool, mm. if you have an HSA or an FSA, you can put those dollars towards Modern Fertility. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, if you want kids today, or in the future, never or are undecided. It's important to have clinically sound information about your body, which can help you make the decision that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That means your test will cost $179 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com fruit. That's modernfertility.com fruit had something to do with his need for power talked about how she um would get in all up in his business and search his car and his wallet and his room and uh mm -hmm. he, he didn't have any privacy and i wonder could be something to do with it yeah. but it, yeah but in any case uh from what i've read uh, Wallace uh, has refused every interview request that has come his way to shed light on what drove him to kill Ooh. But I think, like you said, Wendy, the abuse he suffered as a child, plus plus the violence that he witnessed, there was that gang rape, and there were gang other... Gang rape, yes. Yeah, there were other violent things that he witnessed, like, actually witnessed, like, not just watching uh, scary movies on TV. No, he actually witnessed these things when he was right. a kid, and mm -hmm. I think that had something to do with it. 
And I think, I right. think yeah. And I think that he escalated as he continued doing crack. It does something to your brain. <laughs> It and sure it's right. does. It is one yeah. hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> and it's right in the timeline. It, uh, each one got worse. And then he killed three women in one week. And he was totally mm. out of control. Yes. And there was there was more wrong with him than just being a drug addict. But it definitely made it worse, I think. I think you're absolutely right. Um, uh, back to his mom all up in his business and being super controlling and... So this dude, Wallace, wasn't he born out of wedlock? Like his his mom yes. was a dude's side piece. Right. And maybe with that comes a lot of paranoia. So that might be another reason why she was digging into his personal things and, you know, controlling him to make sure that he didn't leave her. I don't know. This is all speculation, but I was just yeah. thinking her being a woman scorned might have affected right. how she treated her young son. Um, yeah, or, or she could have... Um, wanted to be able to control him so he didn't do something like that to another woman or who knows oh you know? yes yeah yeah who knows i'm i'm just i'm just throwing ideas out there just the for the people listening you your brains might be going there so yeah uh, tell us what you mine think does too <laughs> yeah, yeah tell us what you think um so now we're gonna get into our takeaways now what i took away from this story was um this story made me angry uh, that the authorities were not able to get their shit together in a timely fashion. Four years is far too long. Some accounts I heard it wasn't until black homicide detective was assigned to the case that they solved it shortly thereafter. If there is a nice word for shit show, I can't think of it right now. Uh, the killer <laughs> was allowed to commit his crimes for years before the police took notice or really began making any effort to try to catch this guy. Guess why? It starts with an R and ends with an acism. Okay. So <laughs> what do you think, Beth? <laughs> well, Gary McFadden is the black guy, the, the homicide de detective. And he yes, also is in the documentary Bad Henry, which mm -hmm. Rondica, the gal in our, our Facebook group who suggested this subject to us she had watched the documentary and and we watched it too right he's he's really interesting he's he's a really neat guy and he said yeah. that wallace uh, was a friend to the victims that most mm -hmm. females have a person in their lives who is like a good friend or a big brother and henry wallace was that guy for these women mm -hmm. he gained their trust he knew all these women's behaviors boyfriends lifestyles like we were talking about with the the knife that he knew yes. that lady had a knife in her purse, everything. He, he knew them. Uh -huh. uh, so they felt comfortable mm -hmm. around him and it was easy for them to manip easy for him to manipulate them. Yeah. Serial killers are baffling. <laughs> uh, I'll say, I mean, they're, they're urged to kill. <laughs> I, I don't really get that, but uh, you know, <laughs> I understand that that's what they do. <laughs> that's their thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Don't get it. Yeah. But uh, are, we, I, are we here to serial killer shame? Oh, no, yeah, we yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> That's exactly why we're here. Um, <laughs> but I'd say this guy is even worse because uh, he killed women that he knew, women who were supposed yeah, to be friends. friends. And that's pretty mm -hmm. fucking cold-blooded. I agree. Something else about this story that struck me was just 
how all of these women were so hardworking and their families loved them and they seemed like they were going somewhere, you know, and it just made me really yeah. sad. Yeah. Yeah. It is it's sad and angry. Yeah. So uh, now we are going to discuss how not to get murdered. <clears throat> Here we go. If you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. <laughs> this segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. But in my mind, this is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's mistakes. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips. Well, with regard to avoid being raped, I think that's a tough thing to discuss, especially in this climate. Now, as a woman, my perspective is no one deserves to get raped and no one deserves to get murdered ever. Um, You know, like I wanted to throw in there, like tell your kids, tell your young boys and your young girls, like, no one is allowed to touch you without permission, period. And, yeah. you know, start from start. Maybe if we start small, may, who knows? Maybe we could eradic- eradicate r- rape and murder like we eradicated polio. If we if 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 the discussing it is a vaccine, uh, yeah. then let's let's do it when kids are young. Um, and, and maybe that's too simple, but I, I do think it deserves some exploration. Hey, um, couldn't hurt. I also. Couldn't hurt. (laughs) I also stand by the tips we've used in the past to keep yourself safe. Don't get too fucked up. Use the buddy system and keep your head on a swivel. If you do end up getting attacked in particular strangled, go for the attacker's thumbs. If somebody has their hands around your neck, if you grab their thumbs, then they're not able to continue squeezing and you might have an opportunity to get away. Also, you can contact Rain. R-A-I-N-N.org or call 800-656-HOPE. That's 800-656-4673 to be connected with a trained staff member from a sexual assault service provider in your area. I'd say start there because once you, con- if you go to Rain first, you can get an advocate to help you through the process of reporting to the authorities because sometimes they are trash and they, they, they don't take this shit seriously. Oh, wow, that's a really um, good idea. Yeah, so go there first, then go to the authorities and get the medical attention that you need and the mental health treatment that you need. They will follow you throughout the 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 process. Even, you know, God willing, you get to take whoever attacked you to trial. Um, so these advocates will remain by your side throughout the entire process. So get an advocate first, go to law enforcement second, and get the treatment you need. That's That's really good advice. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So um, the women in this story, they all knew Henry. Um, They thought, as we just talked about, they thought he was their friend and they trusted Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like he had a very good facade. And of course, Mm -hmm. you want to be able to trust your friends. But always. Yeah. But always pay attention to your gut. If you ever get a hinky feeling about someone, trust it. I don't know if these women ever did, but in uh, a lot of these cases, he would just drop by their houses unannounced, sometimes late at night. And uh, that's not cool. <laughs> nope. That's crossing a boundary. And if somebody is mm-hmm. testing your boundaries by doing things like that, 
put the kibosh on it. Don't answer the door. Don't let them in, even if they are a friend. Right. Just yeah. like like you said uh, on another episode, don't even answer the door. Or uh, nope. don't say anything. Did you call me first? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> did, we, did we talk about this encounter previously? <laughs> then it will have to wait until you send me a request because <laughs> you not getting inside my house. Love you to death, but yeah. no. <laughs> so now we're going to get into some serial killer or crime news. What did you find for us, Beth? I can't wait. Uh, just a little story about a German nurse uh, who huh? killed. Yeah. A German nurse. Uh, male nurse he killed his victims out of boredom and he's huh? been charged with an additional uh, he's been charged with 97 murders potentially making him journey germany's deadliest serial killer santa uh, maria oh my gosh <laughs> tell me his, more <laughs> his name is uh niels hogel and he was actually already serving a life sentence for murdering two patients when he was charged again by public prosecutors. Hogel had previously admitted to injecting patients with drugs to bring on heart failure or mm. circulatory collapse in order to get this show off his resuscitation skills. <laughs> no, 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 skills. no, no, S-K-I-L-L-Z no, skills. no, 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 what yeah so uh hogel was initially convicted of attempted murder and sentenced to seven and a half years in prison in 2008 after he was caught injecting a patient and then in 2015 he was jailed for life after being found guilty on two counts of murder during that trial he told a psychologist about the killings of 30 victims prompting authorities to exhume 134 bodies of patients. Stop. Get out of here. I am in my garage hitting my Cadillac like I can't believe this has happened. What in the heck? Oh. Wow. Wow. That's the story I found. I thought it was pretty weird. Oh my God, that's a good one. That's a good story, but man, what a crazy sick story. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it reminded oh. me of the usually it's women who are nurses who m- do this do this kind activity. of thing. Yeah, they have Munchausen by proxy or or yeah, I think it's Munchausen syndrome where they just kill them and I don't know. Anyway, something like that. <laughs> But it's Something usually like women. It. No, well, I've, I'm, yeah, yeah, you know, I've heard of killer nurses. They've all been female. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is wild. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious to if anybody out there listening knows how often this kind of thing occurs. Like, um, should I be scared? I, I, just, I know. <laughs> to should go we to the be hospital? scared? Now I've said it before and I'll set up again. Black people don't trust the medical system in the United States. Don't tell your doctors the truth. Don't tell your insurance companies the truth because they're just out here trying to kill us anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> Serena Williams, example a told them she was in pain and they did not believe her. She almost died. If it had not been oh for her God. white husband, she would have, she would have been killed. Um, there are medical students out there who believe that black people's skin is tougher 
than fairer skinned people um mm. and that their threshold for pain is higher than fair skinned people i had a son via c-section and developed severe preeclampsia nobody was listening to me when i was telling him what my symptoms were <laughs> now you and i know because of where we work that severe preeclampsia can kill you yes <laughs> Yeah. This is only funny now, but nobody was listening to me. And it wasn't until my husband was like, my white husband, look, my wife is not well. You need to do something now. And then they all like scrambled and, and got it, got it together. Oh but it was just, <laughs> it's just the, the medical, until we get more black doctors, more black nurses, more black administrators, more, more, more people of color in the room, in these medical scenarios, the mortality rate for um black mothers delivering is uh like four times higher than than, Holy than white shit. one in four times higher than white ladies something it's something horrible. like that it's some it's 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 worse than in a third world country wow um and so uh i i this is a this is a tangent but i <laughs> as i was saying uh i just don't i don't trust the the medical system in the united states uh, yeah. or anywhere <laughs> so uh anywho uh i went uh, i went well that way was off hilarious that was hilarious <laughs> oh, I, I almost died <laughs> um <laughs> so funny um so uh wow that was a good story thank you beth for sharing it with us now we're going to get into our shout out section of our show where we shout out any content by people of color any marginalized groups um about people of color or marginalized groups and any true crime Prime goodies that we got so um i was gonna talk about killer mike's docuseries but i need to i need to digest that a little bit because it was a little w- a wild of a docuseries i am gonna talk about i be knowing and i be knowing is an hbo special by the comedian slash actress slash dope ass black woman amanda seals um she is only the second black woman in american history to have an hbo special wanda sykes was the first and i just i watched it yesterday and i'm just like oh i i I got my life (laughs) i got my life back (laughs) it was so she was so funny and um she's been very candid about the fact that like beyonce made lemonade just for black girls amanda seals made this hbo special just for black women specific and 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 she really she's an she has a bunch of degrees and stuff and she's really smart and she's really funny but what's what i came away with um during her special was she get, had a long segment about being the, the black woman in a white office right. and how you wake up and you go to work and you get into these situations at work where you're like how black do i have to be at this moment to make it through <laughs> <laughs> am I gonna am I am, am I gonna be Michelle Obama where they go low but I'm gonna go high or am I gonna go am I gonna go crazy and be angry black person on on these fools like I have to do, so you're constantly measuring and it it felt really good to hear somebody describe that measuredness and I just am so happy and proud of Amanda Seals that she made the special and that she's breaking barriers and gets to be funny and gets to be smart and black and female and sexy and all the things and because she gets to do it we get to do it too and so it's really good I don't have HBO I bought it on actually I have my seven day HBO trial that I need to cancel um so (laughs) So that's where I obtained um, the show. So 
that's my Sweet. shout out. All right. Um, so I yeah. just wanted to shout out the podcast Red Handed. I don't know why I, I never uh, found this one before, but it's it's mm. a true crime podcast hosted by two women, uh, Saruti uh-huh. and Hannah. Uh, and they have British accents, which I love. <laughs> hey, we are, all love those. <laughs> yeah, so they're they're really pleasant to listen to for me, anyway. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Saruti's a, a woman of color. She uh, her country of origin is India. So oh oh right on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so red handed and is is it just true crime in general, or are they focusing like what like we are focusing on people of color? Nope, or- it's just true crime. It's true crime, but I think a lot a lot of them are are stories that I hadn't heard of. So, yeah, they do they do seem to dig into more unusual stories. There's other ones too that that are pretty common, but they they do find some ones that I've never heard of before. So add that to the to the, the feed, queue. the subscribe yeah. list. <laughs> Thank you very much, Beth. <laughs> so, um, where can the people find us? Our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod, and our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. Our links to our sources will be found in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash app, which you can download to your phone, or you can find online at cash.me forward slash dollar sign Fruit Loops Pod, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. This will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment. Even a dollar would help. Well, everybody, this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, guys. It's crazy out there. detective came and knocked on the door and I said is it Renee and he just gave me that solemn look it was the worst day ever the proof podcast is back with a new case and a new season 23 years ago 18 year old Renee Ramos went missing her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town I don't think that they arrested the right people it's about time somebody's trying to do something she had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered they are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse.
I have to ask, did you kill Renee? Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective. What is a narcissist? How do you spot a sociopath? What signs can you look for to protect yourself from these dangerous personalities? It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts.